This podcast on medical lessons is brought to you by Solidamed in partnership with Lestenstein Development Agency. Hello everyone, uh, welcome to ZMed podcast. Uh, today we are discussing uh, infection prevention. Um, infection prevention is, um, <clears throat> is a very important subject for all of us, healthcare workers, patients, and and family uh, because if um, we don't follow infection prevention uh, procedures uh, what what will happen is that we we end up infecting ourselves um, we end up infecting patients and of course we end up um, uh, infecting our families and loved ones uh, so this is um, really the where we need to start uh, the problem many times is that when we think about infection prevention, we are th- we are thinking about protecting someone else, uh, when the facts are that infection prevention is there to protect us and protect um, our families, and of course to prevent um, healthcare workers transmitting infection uh, from patient uh, to patient as well. So this is really. A very important subject, and today we are just going to cover um, uh, the basics of infection prevention. So we'll start with um, uh, the things that we need to do uh, to prevent us from getting infections and uh, transmitting infections from patient to patient, and so on. So. Um, the most important thing is what we we'll start with, which is um, hand washing. I think everyone knows and everyone of us should practice hand washing as has been described by many organizations, CDC, WHO. There are videos everywhere on YouTube, on the internet, where we'll find the procedures uh, for hand washing, which we can look at. Um, hand washing is important because it as we've already said, prevents us carrying infections home, transmitting infections from patient to patient, and we need to wash hands. A lot of research by WHO has shown where, at what points when we are on on the wards that we transmit infections uh, from patient to patient, and that's how uh, they came up with the five moments of hand hygiene, which we should again all know about. Uh, Basically, you need to wash hands every time uh, before you touch a patient, after you touch a patient, every time you are doing a clean or septic procedure, you need to make sure that you wash your hands. You need to wash your hands when you have potential contact with body fluids of patients, for instance, touching a urine bag. You need to wash your hands when you have had contact with patient materials, beddings, for instance, files of patients. You need to wash your hands in all those cases because those are the moments um, where we can transmit uh, infections from from one patient uh, to the next. So apart from hand washing, um, the other important thing is um, our clothing. Uh, we need to make sure that our clothes, ideally, uh, should be clothes that are hospital clothes. So we should have hospital clothes, hospital shoes, and home shoes. Many times we are on the surgical ward, on the medical wards, we step in blood, 
uh, and with the same shoes we go home, our kids play with the same shoes and so on. We really need to be careful, we need to be aware that we can bring the hazards that are in our working place uh, back back to our homes. So we need to be careful about the shoes that we are wearing. Ideally, we have different shoes for hospital, different shoes for home. We have different clothing for the hospital and different uh, clothing for home. We need to put on our aprons when we are doing procedures. We need to put on our goggles when there's potential for spread of um, or splashes or fluids. We need to make sure we always have our um, face masks when we are on the wards. We've seen many healthcare workers get TB from the ward, nurses, doctors, clinic officers. We've seen all of these cutters get infection from the ward. And it's even uh, more important now with the COVID-19 epidemics that we always need to have our masks on. Even after the COVID epidemic, if it goes away, we should always have our masks on when we are in the hospital situation. Uh, because the first principle in infection prevention is that when you're on the ward, you should regard everyone and everything as infectious. The table you're touching might be infectious. The door handle you're touching might be infectious. The patient you're touching, your colleague might be infectious. So everything and everyone is infectious. That's really that where we need to start. You can't tell who's infectious by looking. So that's really where we need to begin from. So we've talked about clothing and we've talked about hand washing. We've talked about our shoes. We've talked about our aprons, our goggles, our masks. All these things need to be in order um, on the ward to protect ourselves. Um, the other thing that we need to do to protect ourselves is um, make sure that we are uh, vaccinated for at least hepatitis B. Uh, many of us are putting cannulas in patients and all those patients, most of them are not even tested for hepatitis. Uh, we might get infected with hepatitis B and so on. So it's our responsibility to make sure that we are vaccinated. I know that on the ward, many people say, no, we are waiting for the government to give us hepatitis B vaccine. Um, I think we need to uh, take infection prevention as personal because we are the ones that will get an infection. And if there's something we need to do or there's something that we can do uh, to prevent an infection, we have to do it and we not wait for anyone to do it on our behalf. So everyone walking in the wards should get their hepatitis B um, vaccine um, done. The other thing that we need to be aware of to prevent us getting infected is the way we are handling sharps on the ward. Um, of course, we've been told we should never recap needles. Um, we should pick them with those techniques of non-handling and so on that we can learn on the word. We demonstrate to each other how to do it on the word so that we learn those techniques of not um, touching uh, sharps. And then, of course, when we use a sharp, we know that there are always sharp boxes that need to be used to put all those sharps. I see uh, nurses, doctors, most of the time, clinic officers, everyone 
poking uh, needles in the beds of patients and so on. When they are putting a cannula, they put a needle in the bed of the patient and so on. Those things we have to avoid. Needles should be placed in the appropriate places so that we don't um, cause uh, infection to our colleagues and patients as well. So handling of sharps is quite important. The container where we put sharps uh, should be needle-proof and we shouldn't let it reach the top. It should be at least maybe three-quarters full and after it's three-quarters full it should be disposed of. I think we all know where the needles go. They go to the incinerator and these things are bent and so on. Um, then the other things that we use on the word, we have um, things that we use on the word that are not reusable. Things like gloves, we know that those are infectious waste. They have to be in that. They have to go in that bucket that we see on the word all the time, that has um, yellow bin liners. That's where we put our infectious waste. Then we have um, that other bucket that has a black bin liner. That's where we put um, the non-infectious waste. So if you were having a drink, for instance. Uh, on the word or the box where the gloves came from and so on. All those go in the non-infectious waste uh, basket which has um, black bin liners in it. So uh, the issue here is that the um, things that you throw in the infectious waste basket, they go straight to the incinerator. They are burnt in the hospital. I'm sure all of us have seen that chimney and uh, incinerators that are in, in our hospitals. The things that you throw in the black bin liner bucket, those things are called municipal waste or cancer waste or non-infectious waste. Those things are picked up by the council and they are thrown in the dump sites that are in the peripheries of the communities. And we know that kids go to those places where the council throws their waste to pick up things. So that is why infectious waste should never be put in those um, uh, bin liners lined by the black bin liners uh, because those things will go to the community and the community might start playing with uh, that infectious waste and they can get infected. So that is, that is what happens to um, waste that is non-reusable. Uh, on the word. So we have um, those things. Then there are tissues as well, you know, uh, placentas, uh, when a, a leg is amputated, when an arm is amputated, and so on on the word. All those things are picked up. They also go straight uh, to the incinerators. So that's how we uh, dispose of uh, waste in the hospital. Yeah, but again, apart from the um, this uh, non-reusable objects, we have things that we reuse um, in the hospital. So the things that we reuse in the hospital have to be processed. Once you use it on one patient, it has to be processed uh, to be reused um, on the next patient. So the objects that we use in the hospital they're kind of uh, classified. Uh, we, are called, uh, we have what is called uh, critical equipment. We have what is called semi-critical equipment. And we have what is called uh, non-critical equipment.
So critical equipment is that equipment that we reuse in the hospital, of course. But uh, the way we use this critical instrument is that it goes in the body cavities, sterile areas of the body. Um, things like cannulas, for instance, that we used to set up IV lines and give fluids. Those are critical equipment. Um, things like... Um, your needle holders, the things you are using when you are doing a C-section, your blades, um, all those things, your um, door and retractors, those things you are using during surgery in those sterile environments, those are critical equipment. Then we have um, um, semi-critical equipment. So um, semi-critical equipment is equipment that you use in um, intact mucous membranes and um, um, like on the skin uh, when there's a laceration on the skin. So those are called um, uh, semi-critical equipment. So I can give examples of um, things like your penguin suckers, the things that you are using to to resuscitate babies, um, laryngoscopes, for instance, things you use to intubate, um, oropharyngeal airways, all those um semi-critical equipment, you know, speculums and so on, vaginal speculums, that is, all those um, semi-critical equipment because they are going into contact with um, intact uh, mucous membranes and um, and so on. So that is the semi-critical equipment. Then you have what is called non-critical equipment. So non-critical equipment is that equipment that is getting into, into contact with intact uh, skin. So the importance of what I have just described now, which is uh, semi-critical equipment, critical equipment, and non-critical equipment, is that it has a bearing on how these instruments are processed before they are reused on the next patients. We all know, I'm sure, that the process by which we process instruments always starts with uh, decontamination. So we decontaminate an instrument first. What decontamination means is that we are reducing the micro burden on the instruments so that they are safer for somebody who's going to clean uh, those instruments. Um, just imagine that you have a caucus that has been used uh, for a certain procedure and we know a caucus has some sharp uh, teeth there and somebody starts cleaning that instrument before it is decontaminated. If they prick themselves with that instrument, then all that burden of microbes that was on that instrument goes into their blood and they can get an infection. So the purpose of decontamination is um, to reduce the microbial burden on the instrument so that they are safer for somebody uh, to clean them. And in infection prevention terms, cleaning, what cleaning means is that you are trying to remove all the visible blood, visible tissue on the instruments um, that you are processing. So you are trying to remove the blood from them, trying to make sure they don't look visibly dirty with the naked eyes. That is what is called cleaning. So before this cleaning is done, uh, instruments have to be uh, decontaminated. Then after the instruments are cleaned, then they can be high-level disinfected, or they can be sterilized. 
The only difference between high-level disinfection and sterilization is that when you high-level disinfect something, bacterial endospores still remain on the instruments. When you sterilize something, all the viruses, bacteria, fungi are dead, including bacterial endospores. So that is really the difference between, um, between the two ways of making instruments safe for reuse. Um, so having said that, what, what it means is that when you have a critical instrument, ideally you should sterilize it. If you have a semi-critical instrument, you can sterilize it, but it's adequate to high-level uh, disinfect uh, that instrument. So really that's why we are trying to classify these instruments as critical, non-critical, and semi-critical, because critical instruments ideally should be sterilized. Semi-critical instruments can be sterilized, but it's adequate to high-level disinfect them. Then we can do low-level disinfection for the non-critical uh, instruments. The non-critical instruments are things like your stethoscopes, um, your um, uh, phytoscopes and so on, those things that are just getting into contact with the intact skin of the patient, your BP machines and so on, your ECG probes, all those are non-critical instruments because they are getting um, into contact with intact skin and it's adequate to just low-level disinfect them, use spirit uh, to kind of um, process them. So that that is really the uh, the way we we process uh, these instruments. So um, when you want to high level disinfect something, I think um, uh, you can use boiling, um, for instance, 20 minutes of boiling, 20 minutes of steaming, 20 minutes of putting an instrument in 0.1% uh, chlorine, 20 minutes of putting your instruments in 2 to 4% uh, glutarohaldehyde. All this can make an instrument get high-level disinfected. Sterilization, usually uh, on our words we are using uh, autoclaves. Uh, you can use uh, the oven as well if you have one. Um, you can also um, uh, use uh, Sidex. So you put your instruments in Sidex uh, for 8 to 12 hours. Um, they will be sterile as well. Then of course you need to uh, pack those instruments in a sterile container if you have sterilize them, you need to pack them in a sterile container. If you have high-level disinfected them, you need to pack them in a sterile or high-level disinfected container for them to be safe uh, for reusing on the next um, uh, patient. So that is really how we um, high-level disinfect something or sterilize something on the ward. Um, the last uh, thing I wanted to talk about is really um, what we need to do once um, we have we have had an accident on the ward. So maybe we have had a lyco splash in our eyes, we've had an, a needle prick in our fingers or anywhere during a procedure we've cut ourselves to the blade while operating on a patient, is that we need to um, know what we need to do. So generally what we need to do is um, we need to go to the tap, wash 
ourselves as quickly as possible where with running water where we have had that injury uh, if it's in the eyes we wash with uh, water then um, as quickly as possible the next thing we need to do we know is that we need to have that patient tested um, HIV hepatitis test yourself um, or the whoever health care worker is available there, they take blood from you. If you are not alone, then you have to test the patients as well. And then after we test the patient, uh, someone takes care of you. They take the um, samples to the lab. The most senior person in the team is informed about the situation of this um, of this accident. Um, then once that happens. We wait, you know, we wait for the results. And once the results have come out, then, you know, we need to, uh, to make sure if the patient is positive, then we take the post exposure prophylaxis. There's standard post exposure prophylaxis right now. Um, it keeps changing as the drugs get better and so on, but you get those, um, drugs and, um, get that uh, that protection done. So the important things about post-exposure prophylaxis is really knowing who to call. So before you get to the ward, you need to know who to call when that happens. Usually it's the person who's uh, the lead for the team. You need to know where those drugs are kept so that you don't lose time. And then you need to make sure that um, uh, you are taken care of until uh, everything uh, comes down. So... Um, those are the things that um, the basics we wanted to talk about infection prevention so that we know um, how to protect ourselves, uh, not getting an infection on the ward, how to know how to dispose of uh, the things that we use on the wards, the non-reusable things and the usable things, um, and what to do um, when we have an accident on the word, whether a splash of fluid or needle pricks on the word. So that was all for today um, as regards uh, infection prevention. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast on medical lessons is brought to you by Solidamed in partnership with Lestenstein Development Agency.